Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next podcast here at Trek Nevabble. This is Kevin. This is Matthew. And uh, here we are. We are reviewing uh, this week's episode of Discovery. Uh, vaulting, vaulting or vaunt? Vaulting. Vaulting, thank you. Vaulting Ambition, which I suppose you could argue this episode had. Um. I think we both uh ultimately Or at least it thinks it has. It, yeah. Okay okay that yeah. Um I've been something of if not a discovery apologist, at least um I have been judicious in trying to not prematurely judge Discovery's efforts, um keeping in mind that um fans tend to freak out anytime a new edition is made that is not a carbon copy of its predecessors or keeping in mind that the first season or two of most of the franchise is typically uneven but um i think i'm done with that now and that's not to say i'm done with the show and that's not to say i even hate or even really dislike the show i do think by the end of this episode uh I was left with kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an inescapable awareness of what this show is and what its ambitions are. Um, I think um, we, we were talking about this and uh, I think we said something in our written reviews that I think is kind of telling of our respect, uh, our different perspectives so please jump in if you think i'm wrong uh you described it as the um serial killer skull collection with star trek skin stretched over it whereas i described it as a fairly straightforward modern tv drama wearing a starfleet uniform um and I, i think that is more of a function of how extreme we find the problem as opposed to whether or not we now agree it exists um but yeah, I think Discovery's kind of showed its hand. It is just inextricably more interested in surprises than any other narrative thing. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I think I was being a little, uh, you know, trying to exaggerate for humorous effect. Um when I was talking about stretching someone's skin as a serial killer trophy, I, what I'm trying to express is that on some fundamental level, uh, this is not Star Trek in as much as Star Trek is a vehicle for telling character-driven stories uh, set within a futuristic backdrop uh, that also can support uh, good, solid science fiction and or uh, political, philosophical allegory. <laughs> uh, do you think that's a fair definition of what Star Trek had been yeah, yeah. To, to this point? I think so. Uh, this series, and I, you know, look, I, you were being judicious. I was leaping to what I thought were well-founded conclusions. Oh, yeah, you weren't wrong. So even if you were, like, it's one of those, even if you did rush to judgment, how could we tell? Um, Well, I I, I, I look back at my reviews, and all of my reviews are couched with statements like, you know, 
I'm getting the impression that all they care about is twists and shock scares and surprises and things like that, and that they don't care about, you know, stories. And littered throughout my reviews, uh, going, shoot, all the way back to nearly, you know, the first or second episode is numerous, numerous mentions decrying the fact that they will uh, introduce a character or a story element only to completely abandon said character or story element, uh, you know, within half an episode, which makes it very, very difficult to form any attachment or even kind of remember what's going on. Okay. And so this episode is just part of the same pattern. You know, uh, this, this episode maybe does it to a greater degree, uh, than prior episodes, uh, because it sort of does the ass pull reveal on two major storylines simultaneously instead of just one. Um, maybe, maybe even three. You might be able to argue that this this episode ass pulls all three three major story threads. Um, you know it, but it didn't shock me <laughs> because. This is what I thought it was. It is what I thought it was, you know, and it's it just this episode was particularly uh, egregious in being what I thought it was. And, you know, so I don't care about any characters anymore because I've been given no incentive to, you know, like anytime I've, you know, been threatened with any sort of empathetic feeling or interest in a character that character has been yanked out from under me like lucy yanking the football away and there's only so many times i'm not charlie brown there's only so many times you can yank the football away from me before i just say fuck this i'm not playing anymore you know now you mentioned in your review that you will not love but just sort of tolerate you know the show and keep on going with it and you know i'll do it for the blog right it like i think it's a stupid show and i think it's got serious serious deep problems which maybe could be fixed by firing the entire creative staff and just hiring new people uh, because the actors are good you know and the effects are fine right actually a thought occurred to me. We haven't even really talked about the episode yet, but a thought occurred to me and tell me how you, how you would respond to this. What if Kevin, and it would not shock me if this were the case, what if it turned out that discovery, the, the, the crew that we take to be the prime universe crew is actually not from the prime universe it's at from all. A third universe. Yeah. Yeah. Some third universe. And the rest of the show will just be careening, between you know various alternate universes uh and that's how the mushroom drive does not impact prime continuity and that's you know that's what the show is i you know i could appreciate that personally like i I, the problems would still be the problems right and that is an extreme over-reliance on you know ass pull like it's not even retconning it's like they're retconning their own retcons. Uh, well, here's it, here's the thing I've been thinking about. and I, I draw a comparison in my written review um, to How to Get Away with Murder, a show I 
unabashedly love. I am delighted every time the show is on, even though that show suffers from a fairly similar batch of ridiculous, frenetic, slipshod plotting and character development that comes and goes with the winds, but is anchored by an amazing actress who, who like once a week delivers some really fucking good drama. And I've decided, here's, here's the thing. In the grand scope of the universe, Discovery is a probably is a is a is a decent to above average iteration of serialized TV drama as it stands. Whether or not that is good or bad, Star Trek is a separate question. Like if you just showed me Discovery freed of any baggage of a of attachment to uh, to, to the to Star Trek itself, I might not. This might not be my favorite show. Um, it might not be a show I watched week to week. It might be a show I, you know, waited for the end of the season and then binged it on a rainy Saturday. But I think I would enjoy the show, and I would certainly say, "Wow, that that Sonequa Martin Green is going places." Um, there's there's well, there's a place yeah. in my mind where I can accept this show as drama, as drama currently is. Like if you if you accept for better for worse that the current staff of writers cut their teeth watching Lost. This is what makes this is what would make those writers. Well, that and that's I made that very comparison in my serial killer metaphor, you know. And so because of that, I would disagree that this is somehow functionally a pretty okay, even good show. It's it's a good looking show, but it's not a good story because good stories uh create expectations and don't just completely yank them out from under you for you know shits and giggles when they feel like it because those kinds of stories blunt your ability to become involved uh, emotionally you can't be emotionally involved with someone or something that you know consistently continually uh, fucks with you it well, and that's it, the it, thing. Do, it doesn't make me feel good that they think they're clever. It makes me feel like they're wasting my time or that they think they're putting one over on me. And that, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't amuse me. And the stories themselves are not good enough. They don't interrogate enough interesting ideas for me to like give them a pass on that, you know? Well, well to go, to go back to my increasingly useful Shonda Rhimes analogy, uh, like watching how to get away with murder half the time i'm like that's ridiculous and while well, i'm like shoving popcorn in my mouth and the other half i'm like oh that's ridiculous and rolling my eyes um i i think there is just a class of acceptable quality drama that get that that does focus on twists above all and in the right context i enjoy them in a popcorn fair kind of way and again anchored by some Really staggeringly good acting. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe maybe I can just round this up to a Shonda Rhimes show, which again, I love. That's not even like a, like I hate love it or I'm embarrassed that I love it. They're fun shows to watch. I enjoy them. I enjoy the act of watching them. I very particularly disengage the overworked parts of my brain to enjoy this well-acted soapy drama yeah like as a kid even i i loved soap operas as a kid which should surprise precisely no one um but like w like when you watch one life to live 
There's like a set of conventions about the narrative that, of course, in any real world sense, are batshit. But once you kind of accept them as this is the style of narrative you've chosen to watch, you can kind of kick back and watch some hammy performances and twists and shocks and, you know, jump cuts. And it's fun. It's It can be fun. Um, so, like, if I can divorce my expectations for what I want Star Trek to be from this show... I think the show is like middle of the fairway, enjoyable drama. Um, and it, and not everyone has to like that. Not everyone loves, you know, scandal or how to get away with murder. It's not for everyone. That's not a indictment. Um, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's a kind of uh, willful resignation as opposed to like, I was angry at the Abrams movies in a way that I merely resigned to Discovery because... Like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's like the Abrams lying was worse. Like, Abrams kept trying to tell us we are giving you classic Star Trek, even though they were clearly not. Whereas Discovery is saying, oh, no, we're doing our Star Trek. Like, maybe it's a, it's a fine hair to split, but it's like they've always been at least a little upfront that they were telling their own stories, which they argued erroneously were part of the Star Trek universe, or at least not to the degree they thought they were. But it wasn't, it, it was never unclear that even if it were, you know, died in the wool Star Trek, it was, it was certainly a different species of it. So I'm just less angry. Like, Abrams made me angry. Discovery makes me nothing, um, per se. Like, I just, I can't work up anger. Maybe I'm done with anger. Maybe I've just reached a point in my life where it's not worth the time to invest, but there it is. Um... Yeah, like, I, I enjoyed the 45 minutes. Like, even for all the episodes, even the ones we've given comparatively low scores, it's not like I regretted watching them in the way I regretted watching the Abrams movies. It was an enjoyable, visually interesting, but not thought-provoking 45 minutes. And maybe in the golden age of television, I'm spoiled, where I expect thought-provoking on top of everything but it's kind of like in any other context i'm largely happy to watch a soapy ridiculously plotted show anchored by good acting and glossy visuals that's a lot of the tv i watch um so yeah i no, think I, I i hear you and i generally agree with the sentiment that it's vacuous but well-produced vacuous entertainment i I think that calling yourself Star Trek invites the sort of criticism that I'm willing to, you know, fling up upon it because you're you're consciously saying that you are this thing. Oh yeah. This thing that is uh, you know, it it's it reaches for more. It it tries for more. It's uh it had uh, an ethos, uh, you know, an intellectual foundation, a respect for science, uh, you know, this doesn't have that. And so I, I don't feel like I'm being some sort of, uh, you know, basement dwelling fanboy if I'm upset by the fact that they're calling it something but making no effort to do 
the thing that is actually Star Trek. Oh yeah, and like I said in my review, but I, I also think it's just bad in its own right. It, it's, it's not a well-told story. It's a good-looking story. It's a well-acted story, but the writing is fucking horrible. It's atrocious. Uh, you know, it, like, if you were in a, an MFA program in screenwriting, this kid would get an F. You know, I don't know. I, because I think the it's... teacher would be like, "These characters' motivations make no sense," and you know, you you haven't earned any of these, you know, scenes that are supposed to be shocking or moving. You haven't done it. You haven't done the work. You know, you're coasting. You're you're using the the imprimatur of something that you're not uh, living up to. Um. So that's my grade. We still haven't talked about the episode itself. All right. So let's let's. So there were three main plots. I think we can dispense with them all pretty quickly. Um, Burnham and Giorgio was the most successful by relative comparison. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, like to the extent that we were continuing the theme of it being psychologically scarring to pretend to be evil. We definitely had some scenes that served that. Um, I found her unknowingly eating Kelpian to really be a bridge too far. Like, it's like, I understand your TVMA and you can get away with stuff. But uh, again, I've said it before. I have Game of Thrones to be Game of Thrones. You don't also need to be Game of Thrones. Um, so there's that. It, it didn't, like, offend me. It was just pointless. Yeah, it was like, ugh. Um, it, it, it provided I'll, hey i'll be charitable it provided a moment for Sonequa martin green to act and to impress me with her ability to look like she was going to you know throw up yeah throw up and okay. she did again she like it really is impressive what she can do with the tiny muscles in her face it's like really stellar um i found Giorgio to be set a little dis to be disappointing like I would have really liked uh like no Roman emperor and they clearly are invoking that comparison so I don't feel like I'm being pedantic here um no Roman emperor thinks of themselves as evil you know like Augusta like this even the, especially the successful ones they were doing what had to be done in a chaotic and unforgiving world to safeguard the people they were charged with protecting I would have liked to see a Giorgio closer to the Giorgio we saw in the prime universe. Cause I, I, I just think that would have been more fun because it's a more interesting idea to have like a, you know, complicated, concerned, intelligent leader who simply has a different calculus for acceptable means, you know, like the, and I think that would also have mind drama with Burnham because that Giorgio would have been much closer to the one she knew and loved. Like someone saying like, it's evil to, you know, kill lots of people to achieve your end. But if the portrayal of the character is, I don't like it, I hate it and I hate myself for doing it, but I'll do it anyway. Like basically the captain they were implying Lorca was in the body of Giorgio would have been a super interesting arc for Burnham in the mere universe. So I, I take it you're responding to her, uh, Giorgio's statements that Federation ideals like freedom and liberty, you know, are are these yeah. things that 
cause problems. Right. No for... tyrant ever says, I hate freedom. Every tyrant says, I'm the only one actually defending freedom. Like that, that's so yes, yeah, it, it's sloppy. It's sloppy. Like, like she's not opposed to freedom. She is protecting Terran freedom. That, 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 that's the lie. They really, they, they speaking of that, they really blew an opportunity to, you know, make Terra great again. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, like that would be a classic. I mean, it would, it would cause an internet shitstorm that you wouldn't believe, but <laughs> it would be a classic Star Trek move to, you know, to do that, you know, because TOS, I mean, did that kind of stuff in spades over and over and over. Um, I mean, and, and they wouldn't even have to go as far as to use the phrase, uh, you know, they're just such rich, obvious right. points all, of comparison. All these, these Terran dilithium miners put out a work by Vulcans. Like you could have done. Yeah, there really could have been an interesting it, maybe that more than anything. That's what's that's what's saddest about this. It's like I I could I could go with Kelpian cannibalism if there were a point. It, it, you know, if some deeper message were being delivered, but there's not the the depth. There is no depth. It's it's the shallowest show. Well, it, yeah, it, thank I think you. I can possibly imagine. Yeah, thank there you were for... a few lip service examples uh, of, you know, like Star trek sort of dialogue in the first couple episodes. They've moved beyond that. And I get the impression that that's because they've basically moved beyond uh, Brian Fuller's show notes. You know, well, and now they're just like, oh, what can we surprise people with so, now? So there, there's two things I want to say here. Um, one, your use of the word shallow uh, uh, puts me in mind of the AV Club's review for this episode, which basically almost is a, it was in a much more complimentary fashion, but it basically said the show's ambition covers up its shallowness and largely lets you enjoy it. I disagree with the last clause of that sentence, but when even the people defending the show acknowledge it's shallow... <laughs> It's kind of like, like the AV club is not known for being effusive with praise. Um, and then the other thing is, this is a d debate. I won't call it an argument, a debate I've gotten in with a friend of mine who straight up likes discovery and she likes it for many valid reasons. This show does do leaps and bounds ahead on very many socially issues that TOS just did not like women get to wear pants and have careers. And there's a many, many, many things to like on that vector for discovery and she was but I, d I don't think you can credit discovery for no, that. that's, that's just, just TV it's now. just the world we live in i i and i get that too and she was basically arguing that like the uh like tardigrade issue was a classic star trek plot line and that they would not harm a quasi sentient being for their own benefit and i get that argument but even there all they did was do the thing they didn't really explore the thing or add to the thing they riffed on a star trek idea without really doing anything new with it and after a while like yeah we do have several characters that do espouse either you know explicitly on screen or more often by implication and dialogue do starfleet things but we never get an episode like we never we have yet to have an episode where is doing something the federation way the correct course of action in this situation at why or why not and that was practically every episode of next generation deep space nine and voyager it was Here's the way our ethics tells we should behave. Current situation makes that impractical for these reasons. How do we square the circle? And that's interesting to me. So, and, and yet maybe I'm just more sanguine about it because I've, 
I'm, I'm a self-soother and I've learned to move on quickly from emotional pain rather than dwell on them. But it's just, it's like, this show is not interested in exploring those kinds of questions for, for better, for worse. Um, so it, yeah, I'll say, I'll say this, like, even if I accept that discovery has ex- like rift or explored on some Star Trek ideas, it has not added to them. It hasn't done anything with those ideas that was not accessible from like a Wikipedia article about the other shows. And that like, I've been willing to give a wide berth consciously as an act of will. Um, but and like, and even, even in a show, like even a soap opera knows to pace your shocking reveals. If, if every single week they tell me a character is not what they've been for the entire season, they're going to run out of characters in about three episodes. It's just, yeah, it's a breakneck pace, if you will. Ah, I see what you did there. Um, it's just, yeah, it's like every single episode you've told me nothing is as it seems. You're the one in charge of what it seems to be. So if nothing is ever as it seems, then it just doesn't seem like anything. And so I I can't care. I can't possibly care because I can't form an expectation. It's impossible to that. it. So this this is the basis of my contention that this is bad drama. It's not good drama. It's drama of it's, a, it's a sort. It's decent soap opera. It's things happening on a screen, and there's like action and conflict and stuff. But because I can form no expectations, I, I can't give a shit. Well, I saying, just can't. As a lifelong daytime and nighttime soap opera fan, it's decent soap opera. Um, the rules are different, and again, like that's that's kind of my thing. Like, I I suppose like I suppose you could do a Star Trek soap opera if you really dug in and thought about it, but it just feels like, yeah, I, yeah, I just, um, Star Trek has always hung drama on its character interactions. Whatever other sins you could lay at any individual series, who these characters were established to be and how that conflicts with what is going on is largely where drama derives. Like Kirk believes certain things about the world McCoy is more one direction, Spock is more the other direction, and they serve as his, you know, devil and angel or just, you know, opposing viewpoints to help him suss out a problem. All of the, most of the drama in most of the episodes flows from Kirk's beliefs clashing with the instant situation. That is interesting. TNG, everyone on that show believed in a certain thing. So then whenever they had difficulty doing that thing, they explore that that's where drama comes from so yeah like yeah can you imagine like a pen pals type conversation occurring on this show well i just can't imagine a quiet episode i can't like who watches the watchers is like classic tng is it the most scintillating hour of drama you're ever going to watch no is it going to change your life probably not unless you're a mintakin then yeah it'll change your life um but everything is there we we like the characters believe a certain thing about their responsibility as a superior as a more technologically advanced people but they also believe in saving lives the show sets up a situation where their desire to save lives is now at odds with their desire to not unduly influence a less advanced culture 
and we watch them solve it. Like, even if Picard had gone the other way, if he had said, like like he did with the Baralans in Homeward, a not great episode, but if, if he had said, those scientists knew what they were signing up for. They knew that if push came to shove, their lives were expendable in the name of preserving Mintakan culture uninfluenced by the Federation. And we we accept that. It is sad, but we accept it. That would have also been a great episode because you would have watched, you know, Crusher or Troy uh, or Jordy, like one of the other crew members object to such a, you know, coldly utilitarian interpretation of the Prime Directive. You would have watched Picard racked with guilt for an episode about, you know, dealing with the fact that his actions led to the death of a sentient being. Like, either decision would have been supportable and interesting because the drama was based on what happens when what you believe doesn't quite work out in the real world. That's interesting. Is it super... Now, now write the episode from a Discovery standpoint. <laughs> it turns out the Mintakans were Romulans the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they, they're, they're, they're refugees all, from a different universe, and they've come to invade you know, the Federation. Yeah, they're all Sarek. It's a planet of Sarek's. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, I can enjoy in a very certain way just watching Sonequa Martin-Green's performance and Doug Jones' performance and Anthony Rapp's performance when they let him perform. Which brings me to the next part of the plot. Um, Stamets and Culber, everything they did in this episode was interesting for the two of them, and it only serves to underscore what a terrible decision it was to kill Culber. Like, every, every moment those two characters were on screen together, it, w- it was like watching The Visitor. It was, it was like watching these two characters say goodbye felt made did make me feel something because it was an understandable, relatable human experience about grief and loss. And all it did was make me more angry that they put us here in the first place. Well, yeah, it's so I agree that like the elements of human emotions were there and I was going to feel something, but because of how I've been conditioned by this show, I knew that I should not invest anything into them anymore because like, like you said, you know, it's like one of them will turn out to be a Romulan. One of them will turn out to be a zombie. One, you know, like some dumbass plot point that somebody on this staff thinks is clever is going to intrude and not allow the scene to progress, not allow the scene to breathe or have any life, and not allow. And they're probably just going to forget it at this. You know, it's like, well, done that. It's like, oh, what, what a, what a terrible loss to undergo as a human being. And you know how much we got of it. Basically, zero screen time transpired in which uh, Stamets was sad and <laughs> and then Culber was back and he was sad briefly and now he's gone again and that's it it it's it you know your your mention of wikipedia it's like someone looked up wik grief on wikipedia or something and said wow look at this i've got a list of five stages of grief how fast can we go through them huh you know and, you know, then we could, you know, really establish, you know, some 
real emotional, you know, bona fides for these characters and then blow stuff up. Or maybe, maybe, hey, let's blow up a body, right? Let's inject it with something and have it explode in bloody, gory bits all over something, you know? But, but wait, guys, you didn't actually create an emotional situation for the character. You just sort of hinted at it and then abandoned it, right? And that's what Discovery has been doing with practically everything, whether it's the Pavans. Remember them? I don't. You know, the, the, the blue fart creatures who have some kind of perfect society that Saru wants to be a part of. Uh, you know what we learned about them? Nothing. Do you know how much we you know went back to them and filled in the blanks? None. And it's been the same with every sort of emotional story. It's been the same with every sort of pseudo science fiction story. And now I have no reason whatsoever to believe it won't be the same with the Stamets and Culber story. It's like they're, they're moving post-its on a board and they think they're doing great work. You know, it's like, this is the best show ever. You know, we've done the most, you know, engaging drama of any show bigly. Right. But they haven't. It's not the best show ever. They're, they're not telling some sort of, you know, love story for the ages. They're not challenging us with amazing ideas. It's just a bunch of shit that happens. And it happens so fast that it doesn't register. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> so Stamets and Culver, what are we supposed to take from what happened? The, the, Oh, hell, the, the mycelial network is conscious, I guess, and is trying to give people what they want to feel. Can I, but it's also... <laughs> can I confess a thought I had yesterday about the mycelial network? I'm, And I'm only saying this because... So, I really hope the end result of the, of the mycelial... Of the my, it's a hard word to say. Mycelial network is they run into the traveler. I want them to fold in all of the gobbledygook about the mycelial network into the gobbledygook from where no one has gone before, only because I want to see the look on your face when it happens. That would make <laughs> season one of Discovery extremely worthwhile for me, because I'm secretly a terrible person. <laughs> well, you know... You know what, if they tied it I, into the Traveler... That's an actually. Uh, like, you know, I would why? actually not be unhappy if they tied it into the... Like, the Traveler statement on spec that thought and time and the universe are all connected in some way. That's not far off from the Mycelial Network gobbledygook. If they found a way to tie that together, I'd actually <laughs> be pretty tickled. <laughs> well, no, I think it's an instructive comparison. Why? Okay, let's let's accept as, you know, sort of the, the, the starting point of the argument that somehow where no one has gone before is more successful than the mycelial network. Okay. It, is that a fair starting point? I think that's a reasonable starting point. Like, why is that a better story than this? And I, it's a better story, I think, because the characters uh, do things within this milieu and are changed by it. And, uh, have hopes and dreams that are either realized or thwarted. Uh, you know, it, it develops the Wesley character. 
It shows us Picard's maman. You know, it it shows us. Uh, hell, even the Kaczynski character is better developed than the characters we're being given here, uh, because they're willing to spend a few consecutive minutes on people. You know, uh, do do you disagree that we're not like I'm willing to grant you the premise that as far as science goes. It's just as, you know, gobbledygook kooky, right? I, I'll grant you that. Time and space and thought are not the separate things they appear to be. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know, right? But they did so, in the space of 45 minutes, they've done so much more in where no one has gone before that engages my brain, that makes me feel things along with the characters, that creates expectations in me, that dazzles me with new and interesting things you know when they go past galaxy m133 and they're in this you know strange other realm at the you know like all that stuff is super interesting and this is not now if they were to just say that they're trapped in the mycelial network forever now and they're just going to careen between alternate universe storylines i still i I still don't trust that they would be good stories, but at the very least, it would be, you know, sort of wild experimentation. Well, it would be sliders, but okay. Yeah, sure. Or, or Doctor Who. It, that does not impact the thing that I <laughs> actually care about, you know? And so I, I could go with that. I, I would watch it, you know? And I would... I'm kind of hoping at this point they like Jettison, Vok, Tyler and Lorca and just Have start they not <laughs> isn't that what they've done yeah so I mean, speaking, how does... of, speaking of Vok here's a story idea for you let's have Laurel who has spent the past however long of her life uh conspiring with Vok who apparently is her lover uh to create an incredibly elaborate plot to infiltrate the Federation and you know allow for Klingon dominance over the universe, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, fine. Then Tyler Vok is experiencing pain. He's scratching himself. It's very sad. Okay. Saru goes to the brig, reveals for some reason to the mortal enemy that they are in the mirror universe. Why? I don't know. Um, that, that seems like a strategic misstep. But then she says, you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Vok is a Klingon, and he signed up for this. You know, he is going to destroy you, and he was willing to sacrifice himself, and that is honorable. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense for her character. So then Saru beams Tyler into the brig with her, and he's like sad and stuff. And she just changes her mind completely. And then operates on him. They allow her to operate on him with his, her like laser gloves or whatever the <laughs> hell. And she then destroys, as far as we can tell, because maybe they're just going to reverse it all next episode. But as far as we can tell, because she gave her Klingon scream, hey, everybody, there's a piece of fan service for you. Ah, you know, she gives her Klingon death scream. So everything that she had planned and everything that she had said 
within the confines of this very episode of television was completely undone. She wrecked the plan that she'd been working on for the past seven or eight episodes. She killed the person who was so near and dear to her, and she contradicted herself. She got a cool line in the brig, and then she just eh, went back on it. What the fuck kind of writing is that? It's horrible. It's it's really poorly told stories. It's it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's mm. just random crap that happens. I, and I'm sure someone in the room said, wouldn't it be cool? And I've said it before, and I'll say it again because it bears repeating. Star Trek's not cool. We, we've doesn't known that, have to be cool. We've known that since we were kids. It's not cool. Um, it's just not. Storytelling should not proceed from the first, you know, line, wouldn't it be cool if? That's not how to build a good story. You build a good story by creating rules, by putting human or human-like characters within the universe of those rules, and then having it play out. If you just keep changing the rules and you keep changing the characters, it's not really a story. It's just like a series of scenes that bear little to no relation to each other from episode to episode or even from minute to minute within one episode. Yeah, I mean, what, what always annoys me about the twist model, it's like it, it, the most charitable interpretation of Lorca's character throughout has been that he is a grizzled, war-hardened veteran whose life experience puts him in conflict with Starfleet's doe-eyed ideals and he feels some responsibility to protect scientists from their better impulses. We've done we've done that before in Star Trek to great result. But by making Lorca mere Lorca, you've told me all of that exploration was pointless. I, I think that's what annoys me more than anything. Like, Burnham's relationship with Tyler doesn't matter because it was fake. Burnham's relationship with Lorca doesn't matter because it was fake. Um, I said this in my review too, and I stand by it. If they had revealed either character to be who they really were very shortly after coming on board it shifts the focus of the drama to something much more interesting if if we know from the jump that tyler is vok then instead of watching two humans fall in love and then be shocked at the twist i'm watching a human fall in love with someone i know to be a monster and i will feel tension on her behalf. It's like it's like watching a horror movie when I know the killer's inside the house. I feel for the character who does not know that yet. Yeah, that's a dramatic irony. Yes. When I know something the characters don't, I am on pins and needles until the characters figure it out. That is interesting. Because, and if nothing else, it keeps the focus of the drama on the character who's sticking around. But if you have no way of knowing what the character also has no way of knowing, it's just dumb do you, do you see my point no, yeah, and this it's... is the this is the point i've been making yeah. for the whole series it was it somehow became clear to me that that's what was happening here i can't put together the story because they're not giving me the information but also the characters can't put together the story because they're not getting the information and so it's it's like <sighs> pay no attention to the man behind the curtain who's just trying to mess with you. It, it, it's tiring. It's tiresome. 
It's stupid. And like I said, I've enjoyed many dramas that function on very similar lines, but I also don't ask those dramas to, you know, be a beacon in the perpetual darkness that we are currently living in. Um, and maybe that's a lot to ask of a TV show, but Star Trek's kind of prided itself on its ability to do that. So Yeah, it, it may be a lot to ask, but we ask it because they've done, done it, that. And they and they're asking for my money up front this time. Um Yeah, uh just okay, so what do we we knocked out like yeah. George uh so yeah, Burnham Giorgio, Tyler Vox, Damon. Yeah, no, we knocked it all out. They're all they all suffer from the same problem. You think they think a twist is more interesting than people. And I think people are more interesting. Um, like as stupid as it might so- as as nerdy as it might sound. The O'Brien sitting in Quark's bar having a fight about whose career gets priority right now is more interesting to me than anything that happened f- from neck snapping forward for the for the uh Culber statements couple like it's just there's just something more inherently interesting about watching identifiable relatable characters navigate an extraordinary universe than than shocking twists that is that's just what i want um well and so oddly uh in some ways the tilly character would be the one to focus on uh you know she's obviously the mary sue character you know in this story it's like here's a you know sort of nerdy socially maladroit person who is still fun and interesting and she lives in this universe and wouldn't it be fun to just have her say the f word and have her be socially awkward and i think that can work i mean it has worked in prior star trek right we've been given barkley right yeah and most people love barkley i love barkley you know and it's because of what you said barkley is a recognizable human character maybe even more human than you know the rest of the star trek tng cast who is in this fantastical universe and basically does what we would do if we were in the universe you know masturbates on the holodeck to his co-workers essentially right oh i'd like to think i could do it not better than that but i take your point um <laughs> well but no i agree like it that's science fiction number one right and number two it's something we can all latch on to and so <laughs> i guess tilly is the the only character who makes any sense at all? Well, in this even Saru has so gotten a pretty decent character sketch. They, they've established a character with certain traits that are themselves fantastical, but he has lar- almost uniformly responded to the story inside the confines of those traits. And they even managed to mine an episode uh, when Lorca gets captured, where it's like he learns to rely on his heightened threat awareness to succeed that that's interesting you established a character you gave him a problem he succeeded or failed at the problem because of the unique nature of his character that's interesting it's it just yeah like yeah also like, delicious uh, apparently oh god <laughs> um but yeah like um yeah if if discovery were doing barkley it would turn out he was secretly as smart as his nth degree character the whole time yeah 
and, and I just don't care. Yeah, I've said it before. I'm guess I'm I'm gonna try to be done saying it. I don't care about shocking reveals. They're just they're just not interesting storytelling. Like, I want to know what else you got. Like, you you can't build a quiet contemplative episode like a okay like inner light inner light theoretically functions on a twist right like uh came in it, it's shocking you the world's not real it's all a simulation you're really captain picard but it's not a twist because you know that we from knew the he was captain picard the whole time yes yeah you took the words right out of my mouth like we knew something was we always knew this world was fake the episode made us care about the fake world, again, through quiet, almost what this show would consider lethargic storytelling, but we just understand is, you know, well-paced. Storytelling tricked us into caring about this fake world. So, yeah, Inner Light posits a fake world, does it so well that we care about it, and when it reminds us of the thing we already knew, it still hurts a little bit. Well, and the reason inner light i agree with you that their world works you know that sort of alien of the week in the inner light generally works but the episode works because of our knowledge of picard and his character right because we know he's made sacrifices we know he's never had the family we know on some level that he misses it and that he he doesn't if we're not certain that he's sad about the sacrifice, we suspect he would be sad. And so, you know, going through that story with him is moving and interesting and involving no matter how slow the scene is because we we know him. We feel like he is a real person. He's been consistently portrayed in a certain way and we form expectations and we want to see him either get what we've always wanted for him or not, you know, whichever way it shakes out. Uh, but we're, we're invested. We're all in right. on and, the and, story, on and, the episode. Well, also, and to the extent it's a twist, it's not a twist for the viewer because, again, obviously we know something is going on because it was, you know, there was a probe at the start. The twist was for Picard. We care about the twist because we care about Picard, not because we care about the twist. I mean, really, the, the twistiest thing in the episode was that the flute was in the satellite. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, and I, I keep circling back to this idea that, like, am I just asking for a form of storytelling that is no longer in vogue? But, you know, I just watched Handmaid's Tale, and as depressing as that was, there were plenty of, there were a number of shots they held way longer than they needed to. In terms of well, my that's a very slowly paced show. Like, and I don't mean that in like a critical cinematography way. I mean in my, in terms of my ability to sleep way. They held on to a couple of shots, and I know why because clearly it worked. But I'm just like, you could have cut away sooner for my well being. <laughs> um, so, and like, so it can't just be all TV is now frenetically paced. It's a certain class of drama, ones that I do enjoy many times are, but yeah. I mean, we're just talking ourselves in circles at this point. We we know what we don't like and we know why we don't like it. And I am finally admitting I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> the, the bad man has hit you enough times, yeah, I think. And, and this this isn't like, like, 
I have a broader thought here on, you know, classic fans versus new fans. If you if you're new to Star Trek and love Discovery, if you're a lifelong fan and love Discovery, more power to you. I'm, I'm jealous, frankly. Um, this isn't one of those where it's like I'm a real fan and I'm arbiting everything from a place of my opinions are superior due to the longevity of my fandom. I really think I have a legitimate philosophical case to make that this is sufficiently different from the Star Trek that came before it in a negative way. This is not just me railing because, you know, Laura Dern has a part. If they wanted to give Laura Dern a part on the show, I'd be thrilled. Um, this isn't this isn't me just being a jerky fanboy. Nor, I mean, to be fair, I don't think I was being that for the Abrams movies. I think those were legitimately terrible, whether or not they were Star Trek. This is at least more enjoyable, whether or not it's Star Trek. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm starting down a hill that went through Enterprise and Nemesis through the Abrams movies and has soft landed in Discovery, comparatively speaking. They just either don't know how or don't care to make the Star Trek I liked when I was a kid. And I guess I'm okay with that because they don't do lots of things I liked when I was a kid and that's life. But <sighs> makes me sad. Maybe like it's like... Do you feel good after you watch an episode of Discovery? I feel moderately entertained most of the time. Um, yeah, and I and again, and this goes back to the question I've asked several times on this podcast: is was TNG's ability to delight me an artifact of my youth or an artifact of its quality? And I've watched it several times since. I think it's the quality. I do. I don't think it was just that I was... Like, Babylon 5 does not hold up to the rewatch. Yeah. I mean, oof. The speeches I thought were stirring and dramatic as, like, a 13-year-old are terrible now. It was They were interesting because it was literally the first time someone said them, and then I realized he cribbed them from, like, a primer on World War II history, and they're terrible moderately salvaged by good acting. Andreas Katsoulis and Mira Falana are excellent actors and they did a great job. But it's just like, Babylon 5 did not hold up to rewatching, despite being thought-provoking to 13-year-old Kevin. TNG holds up. DS9 holds up with the usual move-along-home caveats. Um, I just, um, it, I don't think I'm just being one of those annoying fans. Like, I'm not even saying the people who like Discovery are necessarily wrong. There are things to like here. Like, I like Burnham so much that I'm going to keep watching. And I get that, particularly if you identify with Burnham as a main character who has not been depicted in the series before, you might be eager to overlook other, you know, other narrative flaws for a story centered on a character that's so good. I'm almost there myself. But um, it, it's kind of a, it kind of ties together like, all the TVMA stuff, like the violence and the sex and the swearing, I am fine with almost with all of those things in my entertainment. But I am most fine when they justify themselves, and it feels like they were just doing it because they could do it. And it kind of ties it just... We came to this as kids, and it's something... Like, TNG is something I would show my kids. Like, it's something we could watch together in which, you know, big ideas are presented in ways that are accessible to kids when they started sw when they started swearing i knew this wasn't something i could show my kids 
And by the time the dude blew up in goo and we got like the four three use of Klingon nipples, it's no longer something I would care to show my children. Well, the thing is, even if like there are things that I would consider showing my children, even though they have, uh, you know, sort of gory or scary or, you know, like those kind of elements. Right. But there would have to be a point They'd have to learn something from it. You know, it would have to be meaningful. Like, you'd show your kid chain of command, right? Uh, I would At least, in, uh, they'd have to be Maybe like when they're least... eight or nine, yeah. but still, I'd, yeah. sh- I'd show my kid chain of command. Because although it's, you know, somewhat gruesome and harrowing and, you know, upsetting and all that stuff, there's a point. Something is being said about the kind of character Gull Madred is, and something is being said about the kind of culture that produces a Gull Madred. You know, something is being said about uh, totalitarian and fascist states and what they do to people who live under them. You know, there's a point. Well, I mean, right? if nothing else, the violence in Chain of Command serves as an indictment of the violence in Chain of Command. Like, yeah. that's the point of the violence. Like, it's to. Like, for all the people who think torture is an acceptable national security tool, Picard makes a pretty concise indictment. It is self-defeating as a form of population control and inefficient as a form of intelligence gathering. You do it because it makes you feel better to do it, and that says something awful about you. That is the point of that episode. That's interesting. And yeah. makes the violence acceptable. Because, well, you don't leave feeling dirty. You leave feeling like thoughtful like that's int- yeah just yeah like the, the show hasn't made me think about anything yeah the show yeah the only thing it's made me think about is <laughs> what makes good drama and why this isn't it <laughs> it at least makes me think what is good star trek and why this isn't it even when i'm entertained in a kind of soap opera like i watch some shows precisely for the ridiculous whiplash like i'm like oh what crazy thing are they gonna do this week but i'm not like invested on an emotional level with the characters you know i'm not like well we've been watching glow right and so glow makes you think about that why would someone watch this now of course glow the show not glow the actual wrestling product is about human beings and the human beings are interesting and you, you root for them and you want them to succeed and all that but why would someone watch glow the actual thing you know, it's it's foolish and silly and funny and uh, it it deals in caricatures and ridiculousness. But that's OK, because that's what you signed on for. You know, this is <laughs> this is not that, yeah. you know, it's clothing itself in something else, something that is meaningful. And it's doing injustice to that thing that is meaningful, you know, and so. I, I can't just roll with it and enjoy it as a silly soap opera because that's not what Star Trek is. And so when I, when I, you know, occasionally briefly look on Facebook, there, there's a, there's a roiling war going on. The war is between uh, sort of the never discos who say this is horrible. And then, you know, what I take to be kind of newish fans, you know, who just enjoy it as a silly space opera or maybe older fans who just never cared about the things that you and I care about. And, you know, they just they just 
you know, rail against each other. And they're, they're, they really are breaking down on the sort of basis that, you know, we're, we're discussing here. Uh, you know, the people who are sort of never discos are saying this isn't the real thing. You know, it's just violent and flashy and stupid. And the, the sort of new fans, the fans who like disco, you know, are they're just like, you know, you're just a bunch of, you know, fuddy-duddy idiots, you know, who are living in your mom's basement and you don't want change or something. Uh, you know, this is the most fun it's ever been. Uh, and you're right, Kevin. People can want different things out of their television. My question is, why did they ever want to watch Star Trek in the first place? Why did the people who are just singing the virtues of this show and we can set aside for now, like, you know, issues of characters being represented, you know, that have never been represented before. That's a powerful thing. And that's meaningful. I wish they had a better show to be represented on, you know, like I wish Michael Burnham were a better character. I wish Stamets and Culber had a better story. Like, (laughs) right. Uh, But I, they're right. It is, fun it's it's rollicking it it goes at breakneck pace it's never boring because who the hell knows what's gonna happen right although i I would say i think eventually it will become boring because if you can't identify or care with any of the characters you know it's just like it's numbing you know it's like a michael bay movie uh it's like i don't care yes that was clever yes that was a big explosion but no, I don't care. I'm not invested. Um, you know, so they want something different. And I guess they're getting it, right? Could they have done this better? It seems obvious that the answer is yes. It has been successfully done because, look, that's what TOS is. If you watch TOS, TOS is the successful merging of titillation, fisticuffs, you know, uh, you know, things happening, uh, but also big ideas and strong, consistent characterization and character development. You know, TOS. So is it that these fans are seeing TOS in this show? I don't think that's what's going on. I think those fans would probably say that TOS was boring and corny, right? Whereas this is slick and looks good, you know, in a way that TOS never did. Uh, are, are they being bought and sold by great special effects because look the show has great special effects you know there's no argument it is incontrovertibly true the show looks amazing you know you can quibble about design decisions or whatever but you know it looks great the music is pretty good you know it, it it's produced at a very high level you know it's just vacant it's soulless it's pointless um, which is sad because the actors are pretty good too, you know. They they got two out of three, but they're they're missing the most important element, which is ideas, yeah, ethos. There's just nothing. There's nothing under the hood. Uh, it's like a Potemkin village of a show. The surface is incredible, but don't. Don't try to peel beyond that first layer because there's nothing there.
I mean, I said this about the Abrams movies, and I can say it about Discovery, and with all the caveats that I do like Discovery more, and I do like Discovery. I just wish I could love Discovery, but I think the point holds for both. You know, we've t- many of the actors have talked about being approached to conventions by people who said, I became a scientist, or an engineer, or a doctor, or something, because wa- of watching this show. The show was inspirational in some way i don't think it's a stretch to say i became a lawyer who helps victims of violence in part because of this show and its message about what it means to be a good citizen in the world around you and much like with the abrams movies i i can't picture anyone saying i became something because i watched discovery i became a violent prick because i watched your show I never, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but <laughs> psychopath, uh, <laughs> ne'er do well. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, what? Why would you show this to your kid? Uh, you would be a bad parent if you did. <laughs> you know, because your kid has better things to do. Your kid has better TV it could watch. I know. I have to invest all of my need for an optimistic, emotionally aware universe. In Steven Universe now, which is fine. Steven Universe is delightful and amazing, and I love it so, so much. Um, but you know, I could have two shows that do that. Like, I mean, I guess the first part of my life was Captain Picard. The second part of my life will be Garnet. Um, it's fine. It's just um, we had a chance, and I swear to God, I gave it to you. I, I was not one of the people who argued because it didn't have Kirk and Spock. It wasn't real Star Trek. I'm not that guy. I have been defending it to everyone, you included, for a good six months now. And well, but you don't you don't think I'm that guy either, no, I, do no, you? No, I, I don't. I, I certainly do not. You're, you're, I, I think at certain points your dials were turned a notch, maybe a notch and a half higher on certain qualities that you valued, but that's every fan. Certain fan, like, there are fans who love Troy because they will like any discussion of emotions, and there are fans who will hate Troy because they because her character was so badly used. I appreciate it. It's a big umbrella. But it's just like, I was not that... I, I have made a good faith effort to like this as Star Trek, and after this week's episode, I am stuck just at best liking it. It's like, again, all of my problems with this show, and I, you know, depending on what I'm watching, I don't rate frenetic plot... Frenetic, inconsistent plotting is not fatal to enjoyable drama if you do the enjoyable drama correctly. My only enduring problem with this show is all of the problems they invited for themselves by calling themselves Star Trek and putting themselves 10 years before the original series. Like, had you just said, we have a new science fiction show. Science fiction's popular. Battlestar Galactica was popular. X-Files is back on the air. You can do science fiction. Knock yourself out. But just do so. Just, yeah, that's where I am. Well, maybe it won't be in the Prime Universe and it won't be 10 years before TOS. Because why not? <laughs> we can just change anything we feel like. Uh, you know, are, are there people... I, I've read a few people saying, my mind was blown by the reveal that Lorca was really Mirror Lorca. Is that a reasonable sentiment? Or have you, are you, is something wrong with you if you just didn't 
figure that they were going to pull some shit like this. Yeah, I mean, the, the like, the whole thing with, like, the 133rd jump being, you know, with, the, the like, the thing on the panel with, like, Lorca Program 1. That was a pretty lead-in, especially in retrospect, a pretty obvious breadcrumb. But even if that were, even if it did legitimately blow your mind, and, you know, I've certainly missed reveals that other people thought were obvious i almost choose not to watch shows for the reveals we've had this conversation before about i don't care about spoilers i don't care about twists it's not why i watch a show so i don't i don't watch a show to decode it like like if i if i want to enjoy a piece of art i'll read like you know portrait of the artist as a young man if i want something hard that i have to work at to understand there's other stuff out there (laughs) Um, but it's just, um, even if it did blow your mind, is that what your is that what Star Trek is for or has ever been for? Like, Lakuta saying number one was not shocking because it was a twist. It was shocking because it was the perversion of a long-standing valued relationship. All of the drama in that moment flowed from how it impacted characters we knew. It wasn't that Picard was secretly a Borg the whole time. You can you can mine really shocking drama from the organic parts of a relationship. So that's yeah. <laughs> so writing I think is atrocious. Uh acting Acting's great. I mean Bert seriously uh, like she looked like she was about to barf as was I honestly um over the ganglia um beyond that there wasn't a i mean michelle yo felt underused honestly like she was such a warm interesting person in the premiere that i was hoping for some note of that or some interesting inversion of that and i don't blame the actress i blame the writing but she was just kind of like anyone could have performed that part you know so i can see that Uh, you know like she did the best she could do with what she was given. She was not, like you said earlier, she was not given an interesting uh, sort of defense of her, her choices. You know, she, she wasn't made into a three dimensional character. She was just a caricature on some level, um, which is not the fault of the actress. Uh, did anyone else get yeah. to act in this episode? Uh, I mean, well, I mean, you had Stamets and Culver. Sorry, yeah. I've, so, um, yeah, they did great, but it only made me more angry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and I said this in my written review too, but it's like, even if your plan were to kill Culver from day one, as a good maker of TV, you look at those two actors and go, oh, these two people have such amazing chemistry that watching them eat lunch together is better than whatever I wrote, so let's film that instead. So now, these these writers think that they're the end all and be all of cleverness. So I don't think you're going to get that level of uh, self correction here. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's kind of like how teenagers write things. You know, teenagers think that whatever they're doing is the funniest, most clever and most original thing that's ever been done. And they will brook no criticism. Okay. That seems like what's going on here. You know, these people, and I posted a quote in one of my prior reviews. It's like, you know, we have a rhythm now where 
you know, things are a certain way, and then we just change it up. And that makes it really interesting for us. Well, okay, <laughs> but not for us, not for the viewers. Uh, you know, you might be really amusing yourself and making yourself uh, cackle with glee because of the, the clever twist you've come up with, but it's just shit storytelling. Um, so, yeah, I think the writing is horrible. The acting is pretty good. Uh, production values, whatever, you know, they look great. I, I stipulate to that. They don't have to wax rhapsodic about, you know, how nice they've made it look. Of course they made it look nice. They're spending all the money they have on it. Great. Uh, so, like, I'd almost want to give it a one, but... No, nah, a one you know. wasn't on the table. I mean, it's one of those, like, it's doing what it wants to do. I mean, I can't fault it for not achieving its own goals. I just despise those goals and the acting is good enough the production values are good enough it's one of those like the episode itself is fine my problems are more fundamental to the series and not worth heaping on this one episode despite the fact this one episode is a prime example of those problems it's just it is what it, that's kind of where i ended up discovery is what it is it doesn't it doesn't enrage me but it doesn't excite me uh i'm i'm annoyed by it <laughs> It feels like a waste of time frequently, and I don't like having my time wasted. Uh, I quit Lost after about three episodes because of that feeling. I just thought, you know, that's it. This is clearly wasting my time. You know, like they are not going to solve all these problems, and they're just going to drag them out for as long as they possibly can artificially. And I'm just not signing up for that. Fuck this. I mean, I hung on for Alias for a long time, despite clear signs of the same problem, and it's, you know, it's time I'm never getting back. Um, but yeah, and I, yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. It's a two. It's, it's, I, I almost wanted to give it a three at points. It's like, like a couple of individual moments were quite good um, and evocative of what the show could do if they focused on those moments. Like, like, it, not to overharp on the writing, which we have done for about an hour and a half now, but like, s say we did the same plot in TNG. The, the Tyler plot of this episode would have been Burnham talking to Tyler in the brig for minutes, many minutes, maybe, maybe 10 minutes, 10 whole minutes in which, you know, she accuses him of betraying her. He either doubles down on that or says he didn't. Like, there would have been some character-focused work on what Tyler's being meant to Tyler and meant to Burnham. Well, and I don't think there's any way in the world, had this been a TNG plot, that they would have done it halfway through season one. That, like... They would realize on some fundamental level, and not only halfway through season one, but with a character that had only been introduced like four episodes in. So we, we've only had, you know, like six episodes of Tyler and, you know, they subverted him within the first three appearances that he had. And so it just so it, like maybe they would have done it with Jordy. Maybe they would, you know, like. In fact, they kind of did this episode with Jordy, right? You know, they made Jordy a Manchurian candidate. And 
it was disturbing and interesting because it was subverting relationships that we had already invested in. Uh, here, like, it was acted so well that I was kind of interested in Burnham and Tyler having a, a relationship or whatever. But, you know, I'm over that. Well, yeah. <laughs> way, like, way over that. Back when it was, like, the episode when they, like, spent the night together but didn't have sex and I was thrilled they didn't have sex, a sentence I don't say very often. Um, but when, when it was, like, two hurt people finding comfort and safety in each other is interesting in a way that nothing about Tyler's reveal has been. Well, I mean, they've basically completely forestalled any possibility of that level of interest ever happening again. Because, you know? and again, yeah, it's like, it's like with uh, Culver's death, even if you undo it, even if you say, well, Vox's personality engrams were deleted. So he's just Tyler and Culver's back because reasons you've taught me that getting attached to these characters is a waste of time. Like that's, Yep. That's probably the most annoying thing, because as I've said before, I will take interesting, thoughtful, well-portrayed character drama over hard sci-fi if I have to choose. When you can do both at the same time, thrilled. But if I have to pick one, picking the character stuff. Um, like, I just uh, randomly rewatched The Loss, um, and that is largely character work against a thin, but not terrible science fiction element. But like, Character I care about suffers intriguing harm and see and go. And then the episode is her dealing with her feelings, her friends dealing with her feelings like that. That is interesting. This yeah. this episode would never stop for a hug. And that's yeah. So and again, I've I'm not mad. I'm not even mad anymore. I. I have realized that Discovery is exactly what it's appeared to be from the beginning. A slickly produced, well-acted, thinly plotted space soap opera. That is fine. It can be fun. And in many places it has been fun. But it is not like the Star Trek I really like. But what, what did they do with all of that time? That they apparently delayed things, and they, what, what, what did they do with themselves? How could it have taken? Are there, where are the writers in Hollywood, who, remember how to build character? What shows are they working on? Maybe they're working on the Netflix shows, like they're working on Glow or something. I care way more about practically everyone in Glow. And I've only watched five or six episodes uh, compared to Discovery. Um, Glow, a show with a, an inherently somewhat silly premise, which has significant chunks of it devoted to silly things happening. You know, I, I, I'm not a dour person. I don't need, you know, it doesn't have to be serious all the time. TNG is funny in chunks, you know, TOS is especially, uh, right. You know, like I like lightness. I like comedy. I like humor, you know, but this is a pretty humorless show. Come to think of it. Hmm. 
Like the the laughs are very few and far between in a show. It's very grim. It's very dour. There, mm. There's not much optimism. There's not much happiness. Uh, yes, yeah, I don't want to live on Discovery, and all for all of my Voyager railing, I'd live on Voyager. I could in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, don't remember, there are days that being seventy thousand light years from uh, from my job sounds like a great idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would live on Voyager. They have a holodeck. It's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a four. Out of ten, and a and a sad realization for me. Um, <laughs> Confirmation of a prior yeah. realization for me. And they keep talking about how season two is going to have more Star Trek stuff. I'm not. For the first time, I am really unsure if they know what that means. No, like they I got no clue. I just assumed they were lying to me or were overstating something they were doing now i am genuinely concerned that they don't know what it means to be more star trek <laughs> well kevin i i've seen those quotes too i have the distinct impression that what they mean by it is that they're going to recycle star trek plots yeah Maybe that should just be the red flag from now on. If anything you're doing, and it was a red flag for TNG. I am on record as disliking Naked Now on spec because it recycles a TOS plot so soon. I do not like that idea. So I'm not just being charitable to the one I like. Um, maybe like for all, every time someone says Star Trek needs to be new in some way, but we're going to reuse all of the old stories... Maybe we should realize that one of those sentences is wrong. Probably both of them. Uh, my, my issue is, why would you say such a thing? You're, you, you, you were in charge of the whole first season of the show. You could have done that at any point. Why were you waiting? Why were you holding out on us? You know, if you recognize its value, why not do it earlier? If you could have done it all the time, why did you do this other thing? It, it, whatever. I can I can hold off enough to assume there was a lot of network interference, which again only underscores why this should be a Netflix show. But that's a it's a whole different conversation. No, I think these people love what they've done, and they think what they've done is exceedingly clever and interesting and rousing and whatever, and that they think that they have resurrected Star Trek in a way that it will stand the test of time. Uh, but they're wrong. You know, I, I've forgotten almost everything that's happened outside of the last single episode of this show. There's a few shocks that remain in my memory, but the, the stories don't. And I have no real interest in rewatching any any of the episodes that have happened so far yeah i can give you that because th there there was nothing in there to latch on to it was a bunch of plot and now it's done and i don't have to revisit it you know i've watched game of thrones three times that's a very plot heavy show why is it so interesting because the characters <laughs> seem real they have real interior lives. They they have hopes and dreams that mostly fail, but occasionally succeed. 
you know, uh, I, I care about them when they, when they win. I, I care when they lose. I hate to see them die. Each time I watched it, I didn't want Ned's head to get chopped off, you know, um, and so on and so forth, you know, Catelyn and, and whoever, right? Um, you know, I wanted Rob to find a way <laughs> to beat the phrase, uh, you know, to, to avoid the Red Wedding. Uh, like, I, I wanted Sansa to kill Joffrey or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like that show stands up to rewatching. Now, I can't say that I would watch individual episodes. I would just have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Because it is a serial plot. But that's serial plotting and storytelling that works. This is not. If I never watch Discovery again, I don't think I will be a poorer person for it. I am probably a poorer person for watching it the first time through, simply because I could have done something productive with those hours, you know? Well, I know myself, I was probably not going to do something productive with those hours. Well, so. granted, granted. <laughs> and I, yeah, like... Clearly, I, I want a show to unwind with at the end of the day. And on some level, I guess it succeeds as that. It's a thing that's on a TV in front of me. The TV kept working the whole time. You know, the show kept streaming. <laughs> and then it was over. So, you know, congratulations. You've, you've cleared the lowest possible bar for success as a television show. Things happened for 42 or 45 or 48 straight minutes and then it was done woohoo all right on that somewhat down note um <laughs> i mean we'll be back next week i'm gonna write out the season yeah sure heck i'll even tune into season two because why the hell not right yeah like i said I, i'm just i am putting myself in the right in the right frame of mind. Um, uh, this is a show that does different things. They they want to or are only able to do different things than I want Star Trek to do than if I were in charge of it. But all of Next Gen's on Netflix and I rewatch it frequently. So, it's, I mean... I mean, it doesn't feel like... I'll say... Uh, this is This is faint praise, but here it is. Discovery does not feel like a refutation of Star Trek the way the Abrams movies did. The Abrams movies felt like I was being made fun of for liking Star the prime universe Star Trek. This just feels like they've missed it. Um, and I'll, so, so there's that. I don't feel actively demeaned by Discovery. <laughs> there you go. See, I found something positive to say. <laughs> well... Okay, well, <laughs> that's four out of ten. Not good. Uh, not a uh, positive portent of things to come. Um, I, here's my presumption. Here's my. You know, maybe we should just make predictions. That's that's what these reviews oh, should end up being. Yeah, my big prediction is that the Stamitzes are in each other's universe. Oh yeah, they've switched. Yeah, yeah I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm not trying to denigrate your prediction there, but... You oh, know, wait, because yeah. they're in the same universe. I can't believe that took me that long to suss out. They're not in different universes. They're in the same universe. So, of course, they, like, mismatched bodies. And it's going to be, wait for it, 
another reveal when it yeah. turns out yeah oh god uh i think the um Lorca plot is going to involve Lorca somehow teaming up with Burnham to rescue Mirror Burnham. Oh, you don't think Mirror Burnham's really dead? No, no. Well, under the rules of this show, apparently, if there's, I, I bet if you know if there's no body, and occasionally, maybe even if there is, not dead. Yeah, no, it, it, and maybe there will be another twist reveal. You know. Yeah, so that that's where I think the next episode is going, and because of the pace of the show, it's going to be you know fully completed within the confines of that one episode. Um, yeah, and will they kill? Maybe they'll kill the emperor. Yeah, I mean it would be interesting. And enough either to... either Lorca or Mirror Burnham will become the, the emperor. emperor. Yeah. Yep, I can see it. All right, it, it is late here, and I need to stop feeling bad about this. So <laughs> I, I'm i going to sign off, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I would love to eat crow. This is, of all the times in my life that I've said I'd love to be wrong, this is probably the time I've meant it the most. Yeah, if they could somehow pull this out of if, its tailspin. If they course correct for season two and use the stable of very good actors and the very deep effects budget to tell just interesting stories that have internal cohesion, I would be fine. Like, even if we didn't quite get to grand philosophical discussions, I'd be okay. I'd, I'd learn to love it. No, I agree with that. Even If the stories just made sense... And the characters made sense on their own well, merits. If the shocks came from the stories and not the writers, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for reals this time, good night and, and God bless. <laughs> yes. Live long and prosper, please.